Hello and welcome to How I Spent My Allowance, Season 6, Episode 1. We're taking a look at The Parched Sea, the first book of the somewhat open-ended Harper's series, although they did stop, I think, after 15 books. Uh, and when I say we, I mean, of course, myself, Seth Alcorn. Ricky Whitworth. I'm James Finley. Joining for the first time, John Stamper. Yes, John is here as a special guest and will be here throughout this season uh, because, as I've said before, John is a big fan of the Harper series. And I figured if we were going to do a Harper's book, we should get so John. This in. is all your fault, is what you're telling us. Uh, well, uh, I actually blame Troy Denning. Well, I'm just thrilled to be here for the introduction of a first time release just coming out for the first time, The Parch C. I think it's coming out 2024. Is that right? Very yeah, excited. that's right. Yeah, it's good. Yes. We're all very excited. Uh, the movie is happening. Oh, goodness <laughs> me. Oof. Oh. All right. All right. So, yeah. Uh, so, so this is in the Forgotten Realms. This is in the Forgotten uh, Realms. And I, I'm just, I just want to start off by saying. I have never seen the movie Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know that much about the historical figure Lawrence of Arabia. But from what I do know, as far as I can understand, this book is Forgotten Realms Lawrence of Arabia. With, with a little dune thrown in. With a little dune. With a little dune. But yeah. Like you do. But like you do. Or like you dune. There we are. <laughs> I feel like as a as a mild fan of the series, at least from the time I was 10 forward, I just want to say from the top that yeah, all books are beautiful. And I don't feel like there was any malice in the writing no. of this particular book. But I did feel harmed by the end of my second read. Um, it was a it was a difficult read and not for the usual reasons that a book is difficult. It's just yeah. Just a big, big, meaty chew. Big, meaty chew. Now, I will I will say that, John, we are only. We're going to only cover four to six chapters in these these first two episodes. So no spoilers. And I only vaguely remember what happens. So I don't know how long it's been since I read The Parched Sea, but I suspect it's been at least since college. Which was. 22 years ago for me, for you, for your master's thesis. No, well, uh, for my for my undergrad master's is much closer and I try to forget it. Forget the PhD. Just forget it. Forget the forget the struggle. It's all right. Anyway, so let's get started in this book. Uh, we 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 have uh, on the cover. We've never done the cover before, but I want to. No, we we did we did covers for the Chronicles. All right. So on the cover, we have people in a tent. Uh, there's a heroic looking white dude with an eye patch, uh, dressed in robes and a hmm, what is that called? I don't know. There we go. But it's headgear that you would traditionally see worn in uh, uh, the the Arabian desert. We'll go with that. Uh, next to him is a frowning man with a curved dagger uh, dressed in black. Um, looking pretty Middle Eastern, that fella. And uh, behind him, uh, a woman dressed in a full, basically hijab. Uh, and we can see her eyes. Okay. And there's a there's a so, turkey, chicken, turkey looks a little big for a chicken. They're calling them uh, kafiyas. 
caffeine uh, head pieces. Yeah, which okay. I think yeah, which I that, think rhymes with what it's actually called. Yeah, because it sounds familiar, but I would have to do googling. Yeah, and we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to do any research. Uh, and we also have uh, a a map of the parched sea, um, which has many different places uh, that I'm not going to bother with. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Okay. There we go. Commit, friends. We yeah, are. Yeah, we here are we here. We're investing. <laughs> We're investing here. I, well, I mean, you're you're not going to see it. You'd have to have the book to see the map because this is an audio medium. So anyway, for now, for now, uh, <laughs> yeah, as soon as we get up to 50 subscribers on the Patreon, we'll have a Twitch. We won't. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't make that promise. I, I won't. Well, well, James, I feel safe because we're never going to get 50 subscribers on the Patreon. You, you don't know. Look, Dragon Dragon Lance is going to come out with the new novel. There's going to be all you know, it's going to blow up and then and then we're going to be spending the rest of our time editing Ricky's fan fiction that, <laughs> that he's he's committed to write. Uh, oh, boy. I, you, too, I, can make me write fanfic for the low price of subscribing <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> I would actually I would actually place at least a small bet on the idea of them not actually finishing this trilogy. I don't I don't know that it's going to come out and be popular enough to spark the wave of nostalgia. Uh, and my guess is, of course, that Wizards is going to try to push Kryn, um in whatever edition. But uh, yeah. 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 OK. So okay. Our f- so can, yeah. before we get into this, yes, before we get into it, can we so we have. We have met the harpers kind of sort of is that true am i remembering Spellfire yes. right we met we met we met some harpers, harpers and in, in fact one end of, of them yeah one of them gets named a couple of them get name checked in mm-hmm. um later in, later on in this book in the first six chapters yeah yeah uh but we have met the harpers before and in fact as i i think i mentioned during spellfire but it's been a while so i'll go ahead been a while okay uh so i'll go ahead and say that again um Shandrill's adventures are continued in some of the Harper's books. There's um, Crown of Fire and uh, gosh, I'm not really the Dark Phoenix. Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, no, that's not right. Uh, But there there are two other books um, that Shandrill is in. So Spellfire is sort of, if you like, an unofficial prequel to the Harper's series. Okay. Uh, because it is actually one of two um, series within a series. There are a couple of books that actually follow a sequence. Um, so in world Spellfire ha- has happened already. Yes. In a very different part of the world. Yes. In a very different part of the world. Uh, I, I know Spellfire has happened because they make a reference in here that refers to something that happens after Spellfire happens. So Okay. Yes. But we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, so to answer my own question that I said I wasn't gonna Google oh, before we hop straight into things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh according to Google it's pronounced Cathia. Um and that is what they're called. So I'm wondering because in the acknowledgments it says I would like to thank John Pickens for burying me beneath a mountain of research material, all of which for Proved crucial. How much of 
Some of them are. I think. I think like the, the clothing. Like, the clothing words are right, but some of the other words aren't. Aren't yeah. right. So like the word that, uh, and I'm gonna mispronounce it, but like crema or whatever the word that they use for like the tent. The they, tent. That I they don't. Live in, yeah. I don't think that's actual. And like there's like the carabiche or whatever that's like the bag that it, yeah. that all their stuff went in. I couldn't. Google doesn't know what that is. That may be a transliteration translation problem, um, but my guess is it isn't. Yes. These things uh, are also hyper-regional, like, once you get into it. Like, uh, Kafia is in other places called Chamag, um, and it's hyper-local, um, and the styles will vary differently. So I, this is probably going to be more than I can run down with my one semester of Arabic, but <laughs> it seems like they did do some research, but then ripped things directly to put them onto a fantasy culture, which I find confusing. Uh, but that is what it's called. Some places. So now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a little, a little nostalgia cherry on top of this nostalgia Sunday. It's right. Though it's a Monday, which is it, though it is a Monday. Uh, although it feels, it feels like a, a Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, exactly. No, I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, long story. I was supposed to go get my my uh, rear rotors uh, replaced to make that alliterative. Um, and I said it was going to come in on Monday morning, and I didn't so much forget the appointment as I forgot today was Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Store checks out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Here we yeah, are. I was like, guys, why are you expecting me to do things on a federal holiday? And I was like, wait a minute, it's Sunday. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But here, here we are. Here we are. Okay. So we start with Ruha. Uh, She's got you all in check. Anyway, moving on. Uh, she um, She's our first viewpoint character. She is married to a gentleman named Ajaman. Uh, we'll go with that. Ajaman yeah. J in there. Um, but she has a vision of a, of a white man uh, who is the fellow on the cover. Uh, and she's like, ah, uh, and then we find out that uh, she has visions and they're all they all come. They're all bad. And uh, her tribe has married her off uh, for being a witch. Well, we don't we don't get that much quite yet, but we're going to find out that out later. Uh, and. OK, so this is page two. And we already run into some problematic stuff. Besides, the desert tribes were wary of magic. Oh, like they're, I don't know, let me think of a word. What's the word? Superstitious? Is that where we're going with this book? Is that the tribes are superstitious? Yeah, okay. Sure. There, there is a little bit of uh, occasionally superstitious, occasionally correct. Occasionally, we condescendingly look down upon their... Maybe sometimes correct, maybe sometimes not cultural values. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. we careen back and forth like like bumpers at a bowling alley throughout yeah. the book. Yeah, it's I mean, look, you actually use the word superstitious, I think, in chapter. Two. OK, uh, we, we the book is I'm going to say it, it, it's it is colonialist. It is written from that viewpoint. Uh, and um, the there's going to be 
they're going to do a little bit toward the end of the book to try to ameliorate some of the white savior business that is going to happen, uh, but it will not quite succeed. I'm, I'm just going to say that from what I recall. So uh, I, I will say it, it, it is good that we do have a protagonist who is of the people uh, of the tribes of this region. Um, also bonus points for having the protagonist be a woman. There we go. But still, it's written by a white guy in the 90s. Yep. The early 90s, 91. 91. So we're we're aware that this is this is going to happen. Um, we also have I found it odd the words that he chose to write in either Arabic or pseudo Arabic or what have you, where it's like names of clothing, what we call the tent, uh, what we call a shoulder bag. And I'm like. This is world building, Seth. It is. Is we're, it just to give building. it? Are we, or is it just to give it some flavor? Or I don't. Well, I don't know. no, no, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what bugs me about it is like I've we've we've worked really hard not to just like feel the trappings of a culture for fantasy culture, um, at least in my LARP circles over the past like. 10 years, five to 10 years. It's been a process. Yeah. Um, one thing that we have not decided that's important to do is religions. Uh, and like cultures or religions that are from white backgrounds. So I'm kind of noticing that they're doing it in the way that I've seen a lot of games do like Norse religion or culture where they're like, if we use the right letters or we make things sound right, it doesn't really matter how accurate we are because we're like giving the the vibe. So I'm a little suspicious because it seems like they're going, okay, cool. We don't have to do world building if we just one for one take something from the real world and then use it as a fantasy thing because no one's going to call us on it. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and they also, they frankly do a weird thing with the tribe's religion, but we'll talk about that, I think, more when we they we get more into. Um, I think I think Ricky's right. I mean, the, there there was nobody to call them on it, right? There wasn't there wasn't oh, Twitter. Yeah. There weren't there, there weren't the Googles. There weren't the hordes of at people the, who would say, time, yeah. no. "Oh, exactly. yeah." And if you'd if you'd gone to, I think it might still have been TSR in ninety one. Uh, if you'd gone to TSR and you'd said, "Hey, perhaps there are people who are not." cis white straight adolescent males who might play this game and who might be interested in the books they would have gone huh but where would we ever find them yes exactly but where would we find them so uh page two folks page two uh so and it's just that apparently they've only been married for two days and, and people are, are coming to get ajaman to do the night's watch um Apparently, uh, Ruha and Ajaman have slept the day away. Now, I can't tell if that's because it's been two days since their wedding or if it's just smart to not be out in the day. Uh, as you know, as the song says, mad dogs and Englishmen. Um, I, I have I know what the opinions of the rest of the tribe is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rest of the tribe is out there. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> I, I have offered a little benefit of the doubt up to this point, but on page one, we start with naked people. And by page six, we are discussing, I think they said the firm curves of her body. Oh, I so, want to talk about that. Okay, <laughs> I will I will take a step back then. Do but, I? Um, We're going to get there. Boy, did that happen fast. It did. Uh, so... Uh, they, you know, and there's, there's like a basically like, come on, you know, come on, we gotta go, and you know, Ruha's like telling Ajaman to be careful, and that she'll, you know, bring him apricots and milk, and he's like, you can't do that, it'll violate Perda, which is this taboo that we have of you having to remain in the tent so you don't run back to your dad, and she's like, I'm not running back to my dad, husband I've known for two days. Uh, everything's don't worry about it. Don't, don't you worry your pretty little head. Just ask me to bring you some food. He's like, all right, bring me some food. So we learned that in this, uh, that Ruha is independent and forward thinking. We'll learn later that she's like that because she's kind of had to be. Um, and that Ajaman is cool enough to be like, all right, all right, this is fine. This is, I'm all right. I can roll with this. So, so that's, I love her because she's like, yeah, uh, we're we're going to do everything the right way. We're going to do everything the smart way too. Like, this is Perda is to prevent me from getting scared and running away. I'm not scared and I'm not running away. Look, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> see see me. <laughs> see me. Witness me. Um, Shiny and cool. <laughs> Wait, that's. Not- that's the- wrong. Wrong. Nomadic that- desert tribe. <laughs> yes, that's uh, that's what she, that's she, that's not happening. Uh, but, but, you know, it's it's just pretty much, a, you know, sort of getting to know some people seen and then they they uh, they flirt a little bit and she like cautions it. Apparently now this is the this is the best part. We'll talk about this here on on page six on page six. <sighs> Ajaman says it is a pity you cannot see how well he keeps his promises. Dawasir, my words cannot describe her talking of his wife. Then we have. Rua's smile vanished with her husband's words. The comment made her feel as if she were on display. Okay, she feels objectified. She doesn't like it. Like all Bedin women, not Bedouin, Bedin, uh, Ruha reserved her beauty for her husband's eyes alone. Okay, uh, all, all right. There are different ways to have said that, but we'll give you that. And then here's the part John was talking about earlier. Outside her home, the curves of her firm body would always remain concealed, dot, dot, dot. A shawl and veil would hide her sable hair, her proud nose, and the strong features of her statuesque face. Uh, all Dasawir, Dawasir or his comrades would ever see of Ruha were her sultry eyes and perhaps the crush has, crush, crossed hash marks tattooed on her regal cheeks. I don't like being objectified. Now, the as... I, the author, will now objectify this character for the rest of this paragraph. Yes. And don't worry that we've made a woman the point of view character. She's hot, so it's okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Do, yes. Do, okay, I just, I don't know, and I, I wish Naomi were here because, like, I, it's like, ask a woman, have you women who perhaps listen to this show, feel free to interact on our Facebook. No one does, but feel free. Have you ever thought of yourself as having firm curves? I mean, is that a thing that one would think? I don't think so. I don't, and, and honestly, I, I'm going to... 
Oh God, the curves of her firm body that I'm sure the author didn't mean it like that, but in my head, I can't help but hear it like the curves of a friend body. <laughs> I, I wonder how much of it was like, hey, it's page one. You, reader, have seen this person naked. This is roughly what they look like. <laughs> like, I think that it could have been less poetic, but like we kind of, if, if we're becoming a character in the story, then we've already excessively violated what she would want anybody to know about her outside of her marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, look, okay. Outside her home, the shape of her body would always remain concealed. Okay. Bodies have shapes. What kind of shape does she have? Not terribly important, but it's concealed. That's fine. Um, a, a shawl and veil would hide the strong features of her face and her sable hair. Like, first of all, because why call out the nose and then just be like, you know, it's like it's like the for the original Gilligan's Island theme song. It's like the nose and the rest. And then we just, you know, and then later on, we talk about her regal cheeks. Also. um, Usually bodies are described as statuesque, not faces. We may be revealing something here. Yeah, I, yes, 100%. Yeah, I, I'm not, okay. Anyway, we've spent a whole lot of time on this paragraph, and the point is, seriously, that's yeah. the point. Just I, What I think you'll see throughout from, like, page one to page 300 and whatever, there are there are descriptive choices made. The first sentence, we get, it, we get our first adjective, because why not? Ruha woke abruptly. She didn't tear off the sheets. She didn't lurch out of bed so quickly that something, something it's, I don't really need to describe it, but oh boy, there are, there are choices made throughout the book. Uh, and this was one. Like, Ruha sat up in bed, like, or on, I, I, cause I think they're probably just laying on like, uh, like rugs or, or mats or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that they even have sheets. Anyway, I don't, but who would know? Because we didn't get a description. We, get we had to get we had to hurry up and get there to those curves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's the real problem. Yeah. Uh, so here is then where we find out that uh, Ruha has been married off into the Catan. Her original tribe was the Mater de Fear. I just rolled my eyes. Not sure how to pronounce these. Um, there's no guide. And she was married off because she was a witch. Right? Because her original tribe didn't like her because she had the visions and the visions always led to disaster. And, you know, at least they didn't burn her for turning someone into a newt. Um, you know, but it's. It, it, it's just like, and here's here's the problem. They try to explain it a little bit in these first few chapters. They give us a reason that the tribes do not care for magic. Um, and I I, I will say that a, there were like Gary Gygax. There was a Gord the Rogue book where he was in a desert, and there were. 
not Arabic people running around, you know, um, and I believe, as I recall, they were superstitious and didn't care for magic much. And Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman even wrote a series uh, called The Rose of the Prophet, which has as its main characters, mostly people from desert tribes who don't care for magic much. Um, here is the problem in doing this in a D&D world. Like Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, I, I don't recommend it, but you could kind of get away with it because it's their own world and how prevalent is magic. We don't know. You know, they have to make that up. But this is a D&D world where like you roll out of bed and you maybe cast a spell to clean your clothes up. So for them to go and this entire group of people does not use magic in an environment where magic would make their lives so much easier. Is problematic to me. It's like it's like we're setting this up just so we can have superstitious tribes people. And I. I've, yeah. Yeah, where my brain went first is in Kren, it seemed like you were either religious or you did magic. Right. And so like a traditional group of people not liking magic seemed pretty normal because like the the Salamnic Knights didn't like it. Yeah. And it, it was um, just and it's like we don't like mages. Here, magic is evil. Yeah. Here, if you like one to one technology and magic, the way that you're talking about, I think it makes more sense to be like, are you are you doing something shady? Because later they have um we'll get to this in a later chapter, but later they have uh Weitzman uh, using the compass and instead of explaining a compass to his uh, guides, he's just like, yeah, it's magic. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's just like straight up being like these people wouldn't get technology. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, this is especially a problem on the for uh, in the Forgotten Realms, because if you're not familiar with the Forgotten Realms, you cannot swing a dead cat without hitting at least three archmages. Uh, and and like every time you turn around, you're tripping over a chosen of Maestra, who is a goddess of magic. There's another one, actually, who is the goddess of magic when this book takes place, but that's, we'll get there. We'll get there, I promise. <laughs> We're only going to get through one chapter in this hour-long episode. <laughs> it's fine. And you but, were concerned that we would need to read, yeah, maybe, chapters read for episodes, six chapters. We don't know. Like you, like you haven't done five seasons with us. Yeah, it's like <laughs> this is any, but well, because um, we would do three chapters of Spellfire in an episode sometimes. Yeah, we would yeah, do, yeah, yeah, we would. We would get through. Well, Before except when we got to chapter ten, which yeah. was three times as long as any other chapter in that book. Um, uh, did I did I mean to say that Ed Greenwood had a pacing problem? Yes, yes, I do. Um, shots fired at Greenwood. <laughs> Haven't done that in a while, but here we go. But yeah, I mean, the Forgotten Realms of the the three D and D worlds at this point. It was Kryn, Greyhawk, and the Forgotten Realms. Greyhawk, obviously, very magic rich. Uh, that is where, um, pretty much, if there's a named spell that you can recall the name of, uh, it came from Greyhawk, because. A lot of those spells were actually developed in campaign by people who were playing with Gary who needed to do something 
And then they're like, well, can I do this with magic? And he's like, yes. And now the spell is named after your character. So, um, so there That's we go. Kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Uh, so Greyhawk, sorry, this is tangent. Um, but like, sure. So Greyhawk was the uh, kind of original D and D setting. Yes. Yes. Because because Forgotten Realms is uh, is not the only one, but it, I it's kind of like the most used one currently i i feel like um they had well forgotten realms was the the flagship world of second edition so that's you know we're in second edition territory right now and it really caught on like a lot of people like forgotten realms like i i like i think forgotten realms and greyhawk are both easier worlds to play in than Kryn is um and forgotten realms has i think more set pieces which is a weird thing to say in well yeah i because i feel like water deep is a place i've heard of a lot water deep like there's water deep there's is the the moon sh- there's is, is that icewind a- dale is yeah, forgotten yeah, okay. realms yeah there's there's all these places that they explored in novels and out of novels that have i think a lot more detail and a lot more like if you want to you know if you're running a homebrew campaign and you're like, I'm not sure what to do. Okay, well, great. The Zentrim are trying to stir up something. Great, you've got something to do now. Like you, you, you know the play. The you've got to go fight the Mole Master Beholder Corps. For those of you who don't know, there's a city named Mole, Mole Master, and apparently there's just a shit ton of beholders hanging around, zapping people with their eye beams, like they do, like they do. Um. But yeah, so it's it's really weird that in this world th- whose one overwhelming attribute is all of the magic all of the time that these folks don't have it and especially they don't appear to have anything clerical or druidic either. Yeah, that's, that's, that is that, weird. That, yeah. It's all unnatural. Yeah, it's like okay, great. So, so I, I am not overly familiar with the good Lord Master Troy Denning's other works, but ah, uh, I but will. John, I think you might be. Yo, uh, he he is one third of Richard Richard Allenson, who, as you might recall, wrote the Avatar trilogy. <laughs> well, all right. So I will say this: there are a number of places throughout the book where I felt they were breaking their spine, bending over backwards to explain why magic in this particular instance could not be used to get us out of trouble. Yeah. It just feels like at some point an editor said, I don't know, take her magic away. So she can't just get out of stuff at the beginning. Yeah. And, 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 and it's like, there's other stuff that you can do with that. Like having another spellcaster nearby. Who's like dispel magic. 100%. Dispel magic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Th- there was another way besides cultural relativism that, to get us out of this. Um, but okay, so there we okay. We find out that Ruha has a spell book that she has sewn inside of her garment, which is so cool. Which is pretty clever. Like she yeah. figured she couldn't take the books with her because the tribes don't like the book learning. Uh and what she did was she is she sewed the spells on the inside of her Abba, which is you know, pretty cool. Um, that way, I guess if you, you know, at night you take it off, you turn it inside out, and you do your studying. 
Um, is she a wizard or a sorcerer? Or... She is a wizard. There were no sorcerers at this point. Okay. Because she had like magic emerge spontaneously. So I was like, sorcerer. But I am not of the early D and D. Yeah, so. that's that's a hand wave. They're gonna they're gonna do stuff like yeah. that. Like like I said, yeah. well, you weren't here for Spellfire, but when we were talking about it, um, they had to release a supplement in which the abilities granted to the protagonist in Spellfire were statted out. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, because but basically, what she could do is. Uh, absorb magic and then make it go blasty blasty also heal people wow yeah um yeah yeah, yeah essentially i mean i i wasn't i wasn't super kidding when i compared her to dark phoenix i mean i was a little bit uh but it, it, it's she's like in a world of people who are amazingly and awesomely powerful I can mostly take out all of their cool shit. Like disintegrate. Nyeh. Nope. How would you like it blasted back at you as raw magic? Ooh. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I might be glad I missed that one. <laughs> you, you Sorry to drag be. you off track with the mechanics. You should be. But no, the mechanics, are, the mechanics are going to get like they're hand waved. Like, like one of the things is that when she talks about doing the spells, it's not necessarily obvious what she's talking about because she's not using the the names or descriptors that you would expect. But as far as I can figure out, her spells don't really do anything different than the spells in the book do, um, except her invisibility spell is less useful than the one in the book. Talk about that in a second. But yeah, so there it's this weird thing where she talks about sand magic and wind magic, which are not things that are ever explained in like a a source book um but don't appear to do much different than just regular magic yeah yeah i okay. mean it's too bad because that's like that that's an interesting thread to pull yeah like from a world building perspective like you know instead of arcane power from knowledge the way wizards get it or you know from granted to you by some you know, either lineage from sorcerers or some pact like a warlock. Like it's like almost druidic in that it yeah. like could be like drawn from the, nature you, somehow. Right. You learn it by studying the environment and what the environment yeah. does. And that's how you pick it up. So, yeah, you'd be a druid in that case. Yeah. But she is she is a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they there's a reason to think that they would have pulled that thread because they do go, well, your gods are these gods, but different names later that um, is so this is you would another think that, like the magical yeah. principles would hold across cultures too if the gods it, are holding across it, cultures it, well so it they could, like, pull on it and be like well sand magic is actually this which would be cool yeah it's 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 interesting and also annoying because you can go pretty much as far north to south as you want or as far east to west as you well maybe not as far east they do have a trilogy that's essentially the mongols um and I don't remember whether the gods' names were the same, but there, like Kryn, there is a planetary pantheon. Um, and I also want to point out that the planetary pantheon is concepts. There is a goddess of magic. There is a god of honor and duty. There's all of this stuff. And we get to these folks, and they're like, sun and moon. 
and Storm. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. All right. So, um, okay. Okay. Good. Great. We're <sighs> just. They still have qualities to them. They just also have like a physical attachment. They do. It, it's right. it's just that it's like we have a we have a special pantheon where we got away from stuff like that. But then these primitive people who don't who are suspicious of magic, they're still about the, the animism ish. It just and, and maybe I'm sure that's not how it was meant, but it was just another thing that I'm like, these people couldn't possibly know the truth. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I may be giving it too much credit. Yeah, like, I, I, I am. Guys, so that seems very rational. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little but, jaundiced, obviously. So I am I am having trouble giving this the benefit of the doubt. And I'm I'm jaundiced yeah. because I've grown up in D&D culture. I know what D&D culture is. I know what a lot of it is still like. And I know where it came from. Like, we, we all love the game. But by God, it came from a poison well. Like, I do not have the respect for Gary Gygax that I did when I was younger. I found some stuff out and it's not great. Um, so never meet your heroes, Seth. Yeah, never meet your heroes, except for Shauna McGuire. She's awesome. Anyway, um, plug for Shauna McGuire. Uh, okay. Um, they're they're much better books than what we're reading on the show. <laughs> okay, so hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> hashtag not sponsored. Um, so yeah, we find out that her her dad is actually just going to flat kick her out. Until this other tribe shows up and is like, oh, they haven't heard about her having visions. Let's marry her off and get another alliance. Don't tell them she's a witch. So to her dad's credit, apparently he's a really good matchmaker because she's happy. uh, She and Ajaman were really, really cute together for like all of chapter one. I was shipping it really hard. What I wanted this to be was a romantic comedy. <laughs> it's not what I got, but like based on the first chapter, I was like, yes, sign me up. I would I just take want a, Pride and Prejudice in the Desert. That's I would take a romantic comedy epic fantasy novel. I would read that. I'd, 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 I'd be there for that. I'm down. Anybody? Yeah, like much ado, but fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> much ado, but dragon swords. Uh, yes. Uh, and I'm not agreeing to do that for a subscriber count because novels are the devil <laughs> and I will never finish it. <laughs> uh, John, would you like to weigh in on this? I'm starting number two because I couldn't finish number one. Oh, golly. Oh, hi, Carrie. Carrie's in the background. With, oh, what's her name again? I this forgot. Is, this is Betty Spaghetti. Betty our, Spaghetti. Our foster puppy. Betty She's Spaghetti. Also, yes. Betty Spaghetti is 80% of why we agreed to foster her was the name that she came with. Yes. Uh, for the, because no one can see her. She is a, a brindled pity mix. Yeah. Pit ish. Yeah. Uh, she looks super cute. Uh, she has the ears that do the thing where like the first third of them stands up and then the other two thirds flop over and point in front. Yes. Be adorable. Yes. Uh, be cute. So, hey, Betty Spaghetti, if you're in the uh, D.C. area, is available for adoption. Um, yes, through Key to Lion's Heart uh, Rescue out of, uh, uh, like, Montgomery County. Yeah. Uh, early plug. <laughs> right. Hang on a second. Let's see. We've been doing this for about 40 minutes. Uh, we got it. We're, we're, we're going to get through chapter one. We're we going to get through chapter one. It. 
if we if we power through it. Um, so uh, basically, it's we're we're hearing camp sounds like we you know Rue has reminiscing about two days ago. When apparently, she you know met her husband. Like we said, he's a good matchmaker. Her husband is not sixty two. Um, and uh, he won't beat her when he's sober. Um, anyway, moving on. That's no matchmaker, matchmaker, make me. No, okay. Little fiddler on the roof. Oh, okay. I was like, that's a very, very low bar you're giving this man who's clearly a good dude. And then yeah. I, I, the reference just like yeah. hit the wall behind me. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so then uh, she goes to take Ajaman his his meal and as she she decides that in order to to make sure that the other members of the tribe don't see her she casts a spell that turns her invisible when she's in the shadow lesser invisibility i yeah i'm like why is this I think it might well, work better in pass the daytime. Without trace, like pass. it's like a version of pass without trace. Maybe it's pass without trace. I don't know. It's mad. Nah, it's mean, just like it's night. I'm gonna hide in the deep shadow. Well, you know, you can actually kind of hide in the deep shadow. <laughs> you don't need to be. All right. How about just a spell that makes you invisible? Yeah. Unfortunately, anyway. apparently, it doesn't work at day because they're like there are no shadows during the daytime. So no, that's true. That's, that's rough. Yeah. Only nighttime invisibility. You know, actually, I think it would help during the daytime if you could cast this because then, like, the sun's rays would pass through you. And perhaps you wouldn't be as affected. Uh, like, it, it's well, not really explained. Would be, like, like, if you still got hot by them. Like, yeah. You just didn't. Yeah, there's a lot of. See. People couldn't see you, but you still got warm. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like know. not having skin, you're just like taking the radiant. Oh no! <laughs> to your point. Okay, earlier, we're getting off track again. Yeah. We gotta get a, through this. <laughs> if there's a cleric in this book and who can cast create water, uh, that sea is no longer parched. Yeah. Problem solved. Exactly. I'm like create water is like a second level spell. If that, it might be a first level spell. There's no clerics at all. In oh, the that's a parched sea. So parched. Yeah, it's very parched. Um, but okay, so Ruha is is taking her husband a little snack, uh, but then she hears the warning horn, and what happened is that uh, a bunch of uh, lizard men show up. Uh, but and before quite a little bit before that, Ashman gets uh, killed by a lightning bolt. He gets hit by a lightning bolt, knocked from the the promontory he's on, falls a hundred feet into the desert, and is dead. And the lizard men show up. Uh, and Ruha hides in the shadow, and the lizard men who track her by smell are like, well, it seems like there's someone here, but I can't see anybody. So who knows? Uh, and then actual men come by, um, and then their, a rear guard comes by, composed of fatigued stragglers who could do little more than stare at their own feet as they shuffled through the dark labyrinth. One of them sort of trips over her and she kills him without a second thought, which is kind of like, here's here's the thing. If if we're if we're going to if we're going to go ahead and say that the tribes, the culture of the tribes is excessively patriarchal, which. Given the source they're drawing from, OK, all right, uh, is excessively patriarchal. 
why is Rue? Maybe magic is okay, and Rue is just getting kicked out because she stands up for herself all the time. I wonder if that one, because she was given that knife by her like mentor, her magic yeah. mentor. Yeah. So I'm thinking that like since they're both, um, I don't remember the word for it. They're hermits. Um, they have to be able to defend themselves because I figure she's probably killed a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, out 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 there in the desert, just the two of them. I mean, you you'd have to to be able to eat at least and and get water. Yeah, I mean, she spent twenty four hours hiding from a giant scorpion. Yeah, <laughs> I keep spoiling stuff, but like yeah, it explains she, a lot. <laughs> she enlarged the scorpion and then had to hide from it, uh, and really enlarged because, as I call, as I recall, that spell only takes you up one size category. So that would have been a, a scorpion the size of a, a small dog, which would still be able to get into places, not like a scorpion from the Sinbad movies. Everybody remember the Sinbad movies? No? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> I was trying to forget. You made me remember. <laughs> Come on. It was some of Harryhausen's finest work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, my, my wife is always on me about making uh no longer relevant pop culture references but that's all i can do because that's all i got i don't i don't know the youth culture if they're relevant to you seth they're still relevant references. yeah that's right if they're they're relevant in my heart okay so that is the end of chapter one yay everyone we got through one chapter oh my god season six is gonna take forever <laughs> Uh, it won't. We'll probably get through more chapters next time, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this is uh, this is enough for episode one, uh, which means, of course, it's time for plugs. Uh, let me check on something really quick uh, while I vamp. While I, while I try to get a website um, up. Um, OK, yes, here we go. This is not very good vamping. OK, so this then is going to come out on. Where's my calendar? There it is. On July 11th, that's when this is going to be coming out, July 11th. So, Mr. Samper, do you have anything to plug for the week of July 11th or thereabouts? I do not, but I do hail from West the state of New York in the West, and there are still a lot of people who are struggling in the area uh, where they're uh, around the tops shooting who do not have access to easy food. And there are a lot of good organizations that are donating. So give it a Google and see if there's an organization in the Buffalo area you like. Kick them some cash. There we go. Uh, James, week of July 11th. Do you have anything to plug? Yes. Uh, Elvis's half birthday fight club it's, it's... will be opening uh, the 15th and 16th of July for a run in D.C., Tickets are available now. Uh, and then the following weekend, we'll be running in Baltimore at Creative Alliance. Uh, tickets also available for that at the astropopevents.com website. So check it out. Should be yes. fun. And Patrick uh, is involved as well. So. Patrick, uh, Patrick, as we all know from this show and from Arrow Chapter and Verse, um, I will have at least one free ticket for that show, uh, maybe two, depending on what happens. Um, yes. So that is yes. Uh, but so if, if you want to go talk to Seth, yeah, if you're in the DC <laughs> area and you know me, uh, yeah, let me know. Cause I've got at least one extra ticket. Um, Ricky, do you have anything to plug the week of July 11th? Uh, no. 
I am going to pass my plug to you and say that you should plug your Arrow podcast so that people will understand the references you're making because I've done an Escape from New York on yes. there. I've yes. done two yeah, Escape, Escape from New York and there. Escape from LA. Yeah. Uh, Seth really wants to be an old, but some of us get 80s references. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. so, <laughs> uh, Seth, plug away. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I am going to plug, and I might have plugged them before. Um, I'm going to plug Music the Gathering. Uh, they are obviously a nerd group that plays uh, a lot of traditional songs, although they like to do they like to do mashups. Um, they have mashed up the child ballad Lady Diamond with Sweet Child of Mine. It is quite enjoyable. Uh, they've also mashed up the song The Cuckoo's Nest, which is about having sex uh, with um, the tune Misery Lou. Uh, so yeah, there's, they, they do a lot of really interesting stuff and they are apparently going to be at the Maryland Renaissance festival for the entire run. So if you, if you're in the DC area and you, you have a chance to check them out, you can download their music beforehand, but if you're going to the Maryland Renaissance festival, uh, it is well worth your time to go see one of their shows. Um, and with that, uh, we thank you for coming on this journey and we will see you next time. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye now. There it is. <laughs>